Blog Talk Radio. This week's Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio to start your free trial membership. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. The Emperor has been expecting you. Where Geekishik and Pandemonium reign supreme. Come to the coach and get together, have a few laughs. Your hosts will discuss everything you need to know about the world of Geek. Oh yeah! So grab your staff, throw on your cape, and roll your 20-sided die. Because it's time for... Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Welcome. Okay, sort of live. No, we're live. Well, this is not usually our live time slot. Well, we've been doing this live for about two months now. So, we're live. So, if anyone was smart enough to be listening right at this moment... So I guess you're listening to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Yes, you are. To our wonderful Thursday evening mini-boss. So uh, this is Revan. It's a guy named Joe. This is Bane. And Tyrannus. Yay! We've, we've got some people here. So it's not just Joe and I. It's, yeah. it's going to be interesting. I mean, so, it's uh, just as good, but... You, you'll need to talk a little bit closer, Bane, because you were quiet there. But that's okay. So uh, we got a great interview tonight uh, with Freya Robertson. Uh, she'll be talking about her new book, Heartwood, and we'll probably talk to her about her upcoming book that's coming out this March called Sunstone. Uh, however, you know, we apologize. We are, uh, we are tapping into the TARDIS uh, this evening because we'll be talking to Freya uh, from Friday, for tomorrow for some of us, but it's actually today for her. So, um, you know... We had to use the uh, the eye of the TARDIS to kind of give us a boost so that we could actually do the interview. Since uh, there's some Pokemon League thing going out there that's just messing up with everything. So we needed to use that to uh, do our interview. Yes, we get to tar- talk to the future. Yes. How often do you get a radio show that gets to talk into the future? I can't think of any. Exactly. Not a one. See, and we didn't even need a flux capacitor or 1.21 gigawatts to do it. Yeah, no, we didn't need it, but we still have it anyways for dramatic effect. True, true, true. Yeah, but it's in the back drawer. But you know, uh, you know, Lagoon isn't here with us, and and neither is intern Chris, because otherwise, you know, that's why we had to use the TARDIS, because we didn't have intern Chris running around outside with the lightning rod so that we could get that 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> yeah, he's driving his uh. Whatever he drives, I can I don't even know what what intern Chris drives. He he, he rides he drives a Jetta. Um, a what? A Jetta. Oh yeah, okay, I can see that. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, still hear me? There we go. Okay, for some reason my my mic went a little haywire. So, all right, I can see that. Yeah, it's it's the TARDIS energy. It's going wacko. 
It, at least the button of doom is not pressed. That's all I care about. Don't jinx it. Do not push all I'm the button say. of doom. Hey, I'm nowhere near it. I know. So, uh, yes. So we'll be do uh, we'll be conducting our wonderful show this evening. We'll be talking with, like I said, Freya Robertson. Uh, then come back Monday for our full length show. Our Monday shows are uh, two hours long, lots of fun. But we will be interviewing. Who are we interviewing? Anyone? Anyone know? Come on. Mine's double points. Double points if you can throw it out. Got it. 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 No yep, one has. Quicker. And what? Lyle. And Lyle. There you go. Not only that, we'll also be doing a... It's a twofer. Uh, We'll have Ann Lyle, and then we're going to wrap it up with Aaron Evans, uh, who has written the third book uh, for Wizards of the Coast in the Sundering series. Uh, She'll be on talking about her upcoming book, uh, which is very exciting, because we've we've already got Bob. We talked about the companions. Then we talked about we talked to uh, Paul S. Kemp about yep. his Godborn book, and then Erin will be talking about her new book. Um, oh man! And it, the name of it escapes me at the moment. It is oh man! I feel bad for forgetting. <laughs> I know I know it involves her tiefling character. Ah oh, man! Da, 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 da. This is why we have the internet. Aaron Evans. We have a brain crap, cramp going well, on. Yeah, apparently so. Dude, I've been in the car for so long today. It's been crazy. I've been in the car. I was almost in Idaho. I, yeah, I think I put in five hours of road time today, which is just nuts and crazy. And yeah. So then, are we going to be knocking down all five of the Sundering books in order? We are going to be doing every Sundering book because Wizards loves us. And why shouldn't they? Because we're that awesome. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's what we're here for. We're here to to promote the, exactly that sort of thing. So. Yes, the adversary. That's the name of the third book of the Thundering that's being that is written by Aaron Evans. So we'll talk to her about that. Now, Begar, you know, pardon us. It will be pre-recorded uh, because we will be actually interviewing her that day, but earlier in the day, just because unfortunately time doesn't work. But we'll be broadcasting it. Uh, that evening, so um, yeah, it will be a great interview. That's all I can say. Uh, and now that uh, an amazing show. Yep, I look forward to be to be rehearing it. Yes, I, I'm to hear hear it again for the first time. Yes, 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 yes. So, all right, all right. Well, are we ready? We ready to go? Yeah, I'm as ready as can be. You guys are just quiet. You are Bane. You are the master of the universe. You have gone to here and there and talked to the wonderful people and powers that be at Salt Lake Comic Con and know secrets that no one else knows. But you're so quiet. How can that be? Because I'm not letting my secrets out. Oh. He's talking more normal. Like a true Sith Lord, then. Yeah. Yeah, he's got that quiet reserve. Yeah. Keeping your secrets. I don't even... Okay, you're that capable. I'm going to bump your mic up just so you're actually louder. So, all right. So, so we let, can hear him breathe. So that we can hear him? Oh, no, no, no. We've had someone that, back when we did podcasts, that we had come on the show to talk. Horrible mouth breather. I mean, great guy. 
But <laughs> trying to do an interview with him, and you're, you're talking to him, and then he stops, and you're this. <laughs> and you're like trying to ask him questions, and you're like, <laughs> and your he- headphones is like, oh my gosh, it was so what distracting. Is this a stalker or something? Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. And he was just breathing normally. I don't know how someone can breathe that loudly. But, Ugh. yeah. Sort crazy. Of like, uh, what's your new book? <sighs> <sighs> kind of creepy. But, um, yes. Yeah. So let's uh, add Freya on. Hopefully she hasn't okay. fled after that little bit. <laughs> um, uh, there she is. All right. Now we're t- starting up the uh, the heart of the TARDIS. We're kick- turning on the engines and zapping into the future. Let's see if this works. Wow, Skype just did something weird. Hello. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Hi, I'm fine, thank you. Well, welcome to our show. This Well, this afternoon for you, this evening for us. That's right, yeah. How are you doing? W- wonderful. It, it hasn't snowed yet, so that's a bonus. <laughs> Yeah, we do- we're dodging snow bullets here. Oh, I mean, it, really? oh. Yeah, I mean it's, it's been ni- it's been nice because um, you know it's been 67 degrees, so that's a heat wave for us right this time of year. <laughs> but you know, once it snows, it's horrible. And I believe it's summer for her. It, it it is, isn't it? Summertime for you guys? Moving into summer here, so we're right on the edge. So it's it's actually very warm today. So it's lovely. Yeah. So I I I would rather be here than there. <laughs> I would to- I would rather be there there than here. I mean, <laughs> New Zealand, that's amazing. It it I, I've Land never of the hobbits. It, yeah, I, I I see it in movies. I, I've never been there myself, but it it's sounds amazing. amazing. Con- considering we're so far away, actually, you guys are really clear. Oh, can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Yes, absolutely. See, yeah, this is the bonus. We we use you know, we are a geek show, so we're saying we're using the TARDIS and. <laughs> Flex capacitors and this and that. So that's why we're talking into the future and getting such a clear signal. Absolutely. Well, this is the thing you see because it's actually Friday here, so exactly. you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry too much about what happens on Friday because nothing very interesting happens. So, well, I, I, are you a Doctor Who fan? Uh, absolutely. Okay, so I'm jealous because you get to see it before I do, like almost a whole day. I mean, <laughs> Well, actually, I think we're, we're about six months behind in episodes, I think, so we're, we're oh. always late. Well, never mind then. That's oh, thing. no. Because, like, the new episode for the 50th anniversary is on the 23rd. I thought that was, they were going to show that worldwide. Maybe uh, not? Maybe, maybe. Some, yeah, just sometimes we seem to get things a little late here. Okay. So, because the Hobbit movies are done there, does that mean you guys get them first? Because if you guys get them, like, six months after everyone else, I would go, like... <laughs> Go knocking on someone's door or grabbing some weapons. I don't think so. The um the, the movies come out usually at the same time. It's okay. just sometimes sometimes that are on T V. Like I think a lot of people here watch Coronation Street and stuff like that and that's always sort of six months out of date. Gotcha. All right. Uh. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit about your books. So you have Heartwood that's come out, which is your first foray into fantasy, correct? That's right, yeah. Yep. And before that, you were writing um, romance novels, correct? Yep, that's right. So what made you decide to change? I mean, that's kind of a big change. Well, I actually, no. It's fantasy either way. Okay. In a way, yes. Well, not all romance is fantasy. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, actually, funnily enough, it's, it's, 
that's quite amusing to me because it's the other way round. I actually never wrote romance until three years ago. I wrote everything, but I didn't like romance. I was like, well, you know, why read a book when you know what the ending's going to be, you know? Yeah. Um, so I wrote uh, seven novels before, over the over sort of 20 years, just different uh, historical stuff. I wrote a, a, a young adult sci-fi and all sorts of things and just... I don't know, just couldn't seem to focus, you know, just dabbled. And um, then I sat down and wrote Heartwood, and I just sort of got a huge sheet of paper and thought I'll just throw everything on there that that I love, you know, in fantasy and in history, and it was all medieval this and knights and castles and magic and all that sort of thing. And and Heartwood was born, and I I wrote that and started sending it around and um, just didn't have a lot of luck, really. Um, I had a, a publisher look at it for 18 months before I got a rejection, and I'd gone on and written other things by then, and I just sort of thought, oh, I almost sort of gave up, you know. It's just so hard to get published sometimes. And um, and then I found that they were, that this was at the time of the um, sort of on a digital explosion, you know, Kindles and, and whatnot. And uh, because romance is such a popular genre, it's something like 45% of all. Uh, can you hear that plane? I'm just going to shut my door. Yeah, we, yeah. we were starting to hear this buzzing. We're like, what is that? We started checking our... the door our- open. Then it's like, oh, wait a minute, that's an airplane. Somebody's doing a flyby on her. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, um, it's because it's so warm in here, and I didn't want to put the air con on because I thought it would be too noisy. Oh, you're fine. Anyway, um, so it was the time of the digital explosion, and there was so much, uh, like I said, romance is so popular that the digital publishers that were popping up all over the place, that you didn't need an agent for them. And uh, they were they were asking for sort of submissions. And I thought, oh, you know, I just couldn't seem to get in anywhere else. So I thought I'll give it a go. And I just happened to be really good at it. And I suppose I like writing character-based stuff. And it just transferred quite well to romance. And that just took off. And I think that was actually really useful because by the time I, I submitted um, Hartwood to Angry Robot in there, because they did this open door submission policy, um, I was able to say, look, I've had 20 novels published and, you know, I've learned a lot from my editors and I was able to look at the manuscript sort of fresh off with, with the knowledge of what I'd learned and, and just apply all that editing stuff to Heartwood and tidy it up and tighten up a little bit. And um, I think that was probably a factor why they took it, you know, because I was sort of, you know, could show I could do it sort of thing. Nice. Mm. So what's kind of the premise of Heartwood? Um. Well, when I wrote it, I, I tried to... My, my idea is like the the reader is coming on an adventure with me. Um, it's it's a traditional epic fantasy in many ways, so it's, it's uh, you know, a very medieval-type setting, um, that, you know, and there's uh, quests, so there's huge journeys across vast landscapes. And so in that sort of sense, anybody that reads fantasy or loves Lord of the Rings or sort of Brooks's Shannara series or anything like that will be familiar with the background, and that's really what I want. I didn't want people to have to struggle to, to understand the setting. Um, uh, but it's, it's different, and in, in, I tried to sort of, you know, drag it into the 21st century a little bit and change things like... Um, uh, there's no elves or dwarves or orcs. You know, the whole thing is is based around this um, defense of a of the tree that controls an energy flow through the land. And the tree is in Heartwood, and it's like a, um, a fortified temple that's built around the tree. And the knights, the militists, are the, are the um, grew up to defend the tree, and they've become like a 
um, a peacekeeping force between two warring countries. And so it's, it's very much very medieval feel, but with like the added, you know, fantasy, magical elements. Nice. I I, can, I like the fact there's no elves or dwarves in that. I mean, sometimes those books are really a lot more fun, and we can kind of relate better to them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just difficult, you know, when you when you when you're writing a book, you don't. You know, obviously, I, I love Tolkien and I love Terry Brooks and all the all the um, fantasy authors, but you don't want you want to write something different, and it's hard to be different. Everything's been done, you know, and it's hard to 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 find a different way, a different angle to come at things. But that was one way that the the, the whole world is built around the elements. That's why it's called the Elemental Wars. So the the heroes are the element of Earth, and they've but they've forgotten that they were once an element for elemental form. So that part of the whole story is sort of it's like a religious thing about how they discover that they're they've lost the meaning behind the religion that they need to discover the truth behind behind why they were elements and why the element of water is literally rising up out of the ocean to to attack them mm. wow mm. i know so in, instant conflict there that's the plan yeah. <laughs> so can you tell us about any of the early early drafts? Were there some things that probably didn't make the cut that you you know, probably laugh about now? Oh, almost certainly. I'll probably burn all those papers. <laughs> um, um, no, pretty much. Um, uh, I'm quite a planner, so in that sense, uh, I, I sort of planned it all out, planned out every every part and every chapter before I started, because I'm the sort of, 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 of writer who needs a map to know where she's going, otherwise I get lost. So um, stuff might have been discarded discarded okay. along the way, but, you know, over to you. All right. So, Okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You got it. Oh, okay. So then, what was uh, what sort of uh, um, I guess uh, scheme did you use for creating the um, for creating your characters and naming your characters? Uh, well, that yeah, that was quite a challenge because um, I've read a lot of books about sort of writing fantasy, how to write and how to write fantasy, and and everyone said you know don't use apostrophes and don't use really complicated names that don't include vowels and all this sort of thing. So it but I didn't just want to write the traditional sort of very, you know, John Richard medieval names. I wanted something different. And I had four different lands and I had the Knights of the of Hartwood and, you know, I had the guys, that, the evil guys that come out the ocean. And I wanted something different. I wanted them all to sound different. So I based everything on reality. So I took the medieval names and I took, um, you know, Old Germanic and Old English and um, Old Celtic and and sort of built up the different lands around those. So they sounded vaguely familiar, um, mm-hmm. but there'll be a little bit of a, a, you know, a different twist to them. And the Hartwood Knights are all Latin names. So, for example, the, the main leader of the army, the, the girl called Priscilla, she, her name means storm. Um, so that everything around Hartwood is based on Latin. Okay. So then after going through and creating, uh, after creating all these names for characters and doing your research, Research and stuff. Do uh, do you feel like maybe you might be naming some children after some of these characters? <laughs> that that would be when I know I've made it. I suppose when someone emails me and says I've my baby after <laughs> after Priscilla or something. <laughs> yeah, the, I guess that's the modern mark of success. I guess uh, when it comes to writing is when you start having kids named after that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> So what, um, how did your uh, previous writings, because um, you, you mentioned that you were dabbling into like the young adult fiction, 
uh, market. How did that sort of help? How did that um, affect how you write now? Um, I think every book you write teaches you something. And, um, I, you know, as I went on, I learned how to write gradually longer books because my, my first books were, were fairly short. Um, and you, you learn how to write longer. You learn how to fill the space without hopefully sort of just waffling. And um, uh, it wasn't until I really w- was edited, funnily enough, until my first romances were edited that I I sort of understood grammatically maybe where I could improve. I don't think I ever wrote badly because I pick up I pick up old things still and read through and they, they read fine. But um, just things like passive tense, which I never really understood before I was edited, that you know there are ways to make your sentences more active by using active verbs, by cutting out your adverbs and, and using a more active verb, um, and things like that that I, I just didn't understand. I, I you know had basic English at school, but just sort of either forgot it or wasn't taught it. Mm-hmm. So um, that's something I'd always recommend to new writers, which I wish I'd been taught, was just really to, to, it's worth paying out that basic fee and having a manuscript edited by a real editor. I think you can learn a lot from that. So what was that like getting your first, uh, your, your first, um, your first drafts back from an editor? Did it, was that like kind of a crushing experience or did you, were you kind of uh, inspired? Uh, no, I was crushed. <laughs> uh, it was agonizing, actually. And uh, mm-hmm. there, there have been times when I've got tearful over edits. It's really, really hard at times. Um, they make you better writers. There's no doubt about that. Um, but um, it's it's hard when... Hartwood was a completely different experience because my editor, Lee, um, who is the senior editor at Angry Robot, is absolutely wonderful. And he did a lot of the edits for me. And he... he um, Talk to me about cutting because I mean the, <laughs> the manuscript was 187,000 words when I submitted it and it, it's published I think 172. So we cut about 15,000 words from it, and that was basically on his um, suggestions. He went through and highlighted paragraphs or chapters where pretty much paragraphs where he said, look, you just really repeated what you said before, or you've you know this this could be done in a, a more condensed fashion. And uh, he let me do all that. And then when I'd finished and got the, got the manuscript down to a, a, a reasonable size, it's still the biggest book they've ever published, apparently. Um, then it went to sort of the copy edits. And I didn't have a lot to do with those, which was wonderful. It was a real freedom for me because arguing over every comma and, you know, is, is this the metaphor you really wanted to use? You know, I'm like, yes, it is. Just leave it in. <laughs> so... Yeah, so it was uh, the, a lot of the romances have been hard work, just really sort of because they're done slightly differently. The, the, the digital publishing houses um, uh, have freelance editors, so they will just and you deal directly with the freelance editors. So there's nobody sort of in, in between. So you, you just have to wrangle it out between you, and it's quite hard work. Huh. Ah. So. I, I see that you have the Sunstone coming up in March, which is I'm. The next book in line with the Elemental Wars, which is Heartwood's part of. How many books is this series planned to be, or is it just going to be the two books? Um, it sort of remains to be seen, really. My initial idea was that maybe there would be three. Um, okay. it, I mean, I can I can write till the cows come home. You know, I could keep going, but. Um, it depends from Angry Robot's point of view about how well the book sells. It was quite a, um, a step outside their comfort zone, I suppose, by taking such a big book. Um, I, I don't know how much epic fantasy they'd done before, um, but they were specifically looking for that when they did their um, open door submission. Um, 
So it's going to it's going to depend on reviews and sales and and um, you know as, as to whether they want any more. And we'll just have to I'll just have to see. So. Well, I mean, you've got some pretty amazing cover art on these books. I mean, oh. it, it really doesn't show a lot, but you know, just you know, on Heartwood alone, just you know, that sword with the the art, you know, the, whoever it is in armor holding on to the the cross piece, it's just amazing. I, yeah. Just looking at this, if I was to walk in a store, I'd have to snag this book. Oh, that's good to know, and obviously that's that's a major reason for having such great art. I was so lucky because they they asked me what sort of cover I would like. I was thrilled to be asked, so I was able to say, look, I'd really like something quite military, something you know with a knight, and I gave them some ideas of some covers I liked and some that I didn't, and said I'd really rather not have sort of these, you know, the sort of fantasy cartoon yeah. type with a dragon and all this sort of thing, and I thought, I'm really not looking for that, I'd really like something a little bit more, almost realistic, but, you know, um, and, uh, um, yeah, they, they got this guy, and I can't, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, Alejandro, I think it is, Coluccio or something, and uh, he's done lots of other cover art, anyway, he, they, they sent it to me, and it was just wonderful to see it, just to have that appear on the email was like, whoa, yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, even the the one for Sunstone again, you, you don't really see a face. You just see, you know, the chest from the chest down. Uh, that uh, that one's pr- pretty amazing too. So uh, you got some really good covers here. Yeah, it gives you a good feel of what is going to be in there, like knights in the first one, and some sort yeah, of swashbuckling warrior or a thief or something like that. Yeah, the second one was uh, I actually sent him a picture of the guy from um, Assassin's Creed. Oh, nice. (laughs) And I said, yeah, something like this would be great, you know, and he was really good. He came up with exactly what I I was looking for, especially with the sun. The pendant is like an oak leaf with a sunstone in the middle, and that was just perfect. So, yeah, that was really cool. Wow. So with that said, you know, because you've kind of taken the element of the, the elves and the dwarves and that, are there dragons in these worlds? Because you did kind of mention that, or are there not? Um, no, not okay. as such. No, there are um, fire elementals in the second in Sunstone because the, the, each book would feature a different element. So the first one is water, and the second one is fire. So um, yeah, so there are sort of fire elementals. I can go that far. <laughs> okay, that's fine. So those <laughs> different sort. Like she could have five elements. Oh, uh, elementals, they're awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm even more excited now. <laughs> I mean, I, don't, don't get me wrong, I love dragons, but it, fire element, or even elementals themselves, water, fire, earth, air, you don't see a lot of books that really bring those in. Um, That's true. You, you know, I, I know the fire elementals were kind of used once in one of uh, uh, Terry Goodkind's book, The Sword of Truth series. Uh, and every now and then you'll see it pop up, but it's, not really that big of a or popular, uh, and so to hear that, uh, I, I'm, oh, I, I'm just tingling with yeah. excitement to, to read. <laughs> or they're associated with dragons. Or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that the the big bad guy in the, in this in Sunstone is actually a um, a firebird, like a phoenix. So oh. it's, it's sort of you know dragony, but not you know something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> So how so I mean uh, so you're you're a lifelong gamer or you've been playing games for so, uh, a long time I, I take it the yeah. tabletop variety. Yep, all, all varieties really. 
So I think I have, it's a doing Heartwood and Sunstone and, and presumably your your uh, follow-up uh, novels. Is, this is going to be almost like a cakewalk. You've got all this like source material and ideas that have probably been laying around for a long time, right? Well, see, this is the nice thing because I used to feel really guilty when I played computer games like, you know, MMOs and, you know, I played Guild Wars 2 every day and I used to feel guilty because I should be doing other things and now it's research, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Do you write that off in taxes or something? Sorry, say again? Uh, do you get to write that off in taxes or something as, like, work research? I should do. Absolutely, I should do. Uh, so I don't know if anyone noticed, but her her voice kind of went up a little pitch there, and she got like, really excited. It's research. I mean, that was awesome. <laughs> I, Joe, love, yeah, I love gaming. Joe, why aren't we doing that? I mean, technically, almost everything we do is research at this point. Uh, I don't know. We gotta we gotta start saving the seats. I think. Yeah. Yeah, scoping out all the <laughs> but, dungeons. You know, and... Yeah, I mean, I have to say, you know, just looking, if you just look at the the profile picture uh, here with us using Skype, there's like a pile of games behind her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I, I saw that. Yeah. I'm a I'm a little bit of a nerd. Obviously, so are we. We you know yeah. so much <laughs> that we created our own geek show. And it almost sounds <laughs> like these could turn into an RPG. Uh, yeah, I, these could easily be converted to a role-playing game, let alone a video game, it sounds Ooh, like. Oh, now you're talking. Yeah, oh, see, she's excited. See, we just gave her an idea. Yeah. <laughs> I know, we got to start shopping this around. you gotta, you got to start uh, seeing if somebody will option these. Oh, yeah, yeah now that's the plan, yeah. And the models, you know, I can see it all. All right, so here we are. Angry robot people, I know you're listening. Make this happen for her. Yes. Not yeah, only... Yeah, not only is she talking to us through time and space, this is awesome. Make it a role-playing game. You can do it. So what games do you guys play? Uh, well, I mean, of course, you know, traditional tabletop game, uh, D&D. Um, I'm playing in, in an Iron Kingdoms campaign right now. Um, I'm not sure. What are, are you, Joe, what are you run, playing in? Um, Star Wars still? I run my own Star Wars game, but um, I per, I like to, as trite as this sounds, I play just about anything under the sun. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I've made it a point to at least try almost anything I can get my hands on. Yeah. So it's, uh, but yeah, I play, I actively am right now playing in an Iron Kingdoms game, but then I also run my own Star Wars game. Oh, that's Right cool. now. Yeah. Well, like an RPG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. yeah. Okay. yeah. Then of course any board games I can get my hands on or card games yeah. I play. Yeah. Yeah. But it's something that I discovered and and it's sort of one one reason I sort of have been promoting the fact that I do play is is that it seems that a lot of people who read fantasy and science fiction are also gamers and and if they're gamers they're you know, they play MMOs, they play PlayStation, they play Warhammer, you know, they play D&D. They, they, people seem to be into everything. And, um, you know, that's one of the, I mean, I write um, uh, fan fiction for um, Guild Wars 2 for, a, for, for the Chronicles of Tyria. And it's one, one, one reason I did that was because I just wanted to reach out to gamers because I feel that it's such a big community, you know, and, and, and everyone, you know, is linked in that way. Mm-hmm. No, that's very true. I mean, by, I mean, based off what you're saying, though, you're—it's almost, uh, uh, I guess, the the geek crowd is—they're we're almost like our own Renaissance people. 
<laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, we, just, it, we engage in so many activities, and and uh, and, and we all and we're almost good at almost all of them. Well, that's right, and and you know everybody that uh, you know nearly everybody that reads fantasy and that knows about D and D or or has uh, you know I think a lot of fantasy writers probably you know originate from doing things like D and D when they were nerdy teenagers. You know, there's yeah. uh, <laughs> role playing world <laughs> many many years ago. <laughs> I, I think some of us are still there. Is yeah, what, yeah. Oh, so, I, that's kind of the thing is, you know, growing up, it used to kind of be that thing that you you didn't tell other people that you did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and now it just seems like if you're not doing that, you're weird now. I mean, it seems like that kind of that the culture is now more mainstream, and you know, you can walk in and say, "Yeah, I play D and D," and everyone's like, "Oh," and then they start jumping in with their conversations, and not something you like hide. You know, that you keep in the closet. And talk about I it. think that's very true. I mean, when when I um, when I was younger, um, I mean, being a girl as well, it's a bit more difficult because guys tend to know other guys who play. But yeah. for, for a girl, especially not so much nowadays. But when I was younger, it was quite unusual to be interested in that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, I'd read fantasy novels, and you know, I used to spend ages making up cards with battles on and God knows what else, but I didn't tell anyone because <laughs> it was like, you were a freak. So, um, and then I met my husband and, uh, you know, he's a historian and, you know, he we used to talk about Wars of the Roses and all sorts, you know, but before we got together and, and, um, and it's only really been in the last, I don't know, 10 years, I suppose, that um, we've, we've really, we found D&D, if you like, and then we got into um, Warhammer and uh, and then finally the sort of MMO thing, which is absolutely my favourite because you can just, I think it's the escapism thing. I think maybe that's what happens when you get older, you know, because you have mortgages and you have kids and you have parents, you know, and all the worries that come with everyday life. You know, my thing is, is about escaping. That's what I love about fantasy, whether you're reading or whether you're role playing or whether, you know, you're you're off in the, the MMO world, you're escaping. Mm-hmm. It's your break from everyday life. Yes. Very much, yeah. And I like being a hero. (laughs) And it's about the only time that you can actually commit heinous acts and not have anything back on you. (laughs) That's right. I mean, if you steal from the local magistrate, you're okay. You can go back home at night, sleep in your bed, and not worry that the cops are going to show up the next morning. That's very true. That's very true. And nothing like when you've had a bad (laughs) work, I think, coming home and... You know, going out into Tyria or whatever world you're in, and just sort of, you know, killing some spiders or bears or you oh, know, yeah. I don't know, there's something. It's a nice release. Yes. Uh, yes. Video games are my. Hello. Hello. Sorry about that, folks. We had a minor glitch, and we're back. So let's uh, pull Joe back in the call here. Yeah, the TARDIS set is short. Uh, yeah. This is what happens when you mix a t- the TARDIS and a Pikachu. Things short out. Don't ever bring a Pikachu on your TARDIS. All right, so uh, we're going to be bringing people in. Uh, let's see. Hopefully we can make the reconnections here. Yep, we'll reconnect everyone. 
apparently we've lost Joe. All right. I'm going to bring Freya back on. Okay. So, sorry about that. Everyone? Okay. We're connecting. Just one second here, people. Hello? Hello. Hello. Sorry about that. That's all right. Was that me or you? It was us. So, 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 we broadcast from a gaming store, and they're doing a Pokemon tournament, too. So, apparently, someone threw a Pikachu into our TARDIS, and it overloaded things. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And we crashed no and burned horribly. <laughs> no uh, worries. Which is really bad, because we were on a roll, and it was it was going well. Yes, no, so, Pikachu. Into so, thank you for uh, your patience. <laughs> and I feel bad about this, because this rarely happens, but, oh, well. So, That's okay. No worries. We're, we're talking we're about we're the other side of the world. We're yes. doing pretty, pretty that, well. That I mean, that in itself is amazing. Cause it is. You're right. You are literally on the other side of the planet and uh, you know, on the other hemisphere as well. Yeah, I think and, it's about a 27-hour flight or so. Something like that. Yeah, sounds about right. I was supposed to write down something to ask you about the football team, but I can't remember what it was. They just won or something. Football. Yeah. Are you into football? I'm not. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. I'm, I'm, no a huge, I'm a huge hockey fan. Football. Oh, okay. Now, do you mean now football, do you mean football, football like is soccer? soccer or football is in like NFL football? Ah, uh, soccer, soccer. Okay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> See, See that—that's the weird thing about us here in the U.S. Football is not soccer. Right. We do have. A, I mean, we do have a, a, a pro soccer team here uh, where we're at in in Salt Lake. So oh, like the Real. Um, but I don't follow soccer either. Sorry. No worries. But Joe might. Does Joe? Do you? Uh, yes. Yes. Oh, Joe's back on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Skype kind of crashed and burned there for a few minutes. Well, this is what we've decided because there's a Pokemon turn- tournament happening. Someone threw a Pikachu into the TARDIS and it overloaded our circuits. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That makes so, perfect sense. It does. So we'll we'll continue moving on. For everyone that's listening, we apologize. Um, luckily, the button of doom was not pushed, and we're still going. <laughs> we did not nuke the show. No. <laughs> okay. So I don't I, I I I don't know where we were at in our conversation. Yeah, I think Joe was talking to her, but yeah, I, I know we were talking about MMOs and escaping and and that, but beyond that, I'm not sure where we yeah, were. Yeah, that's at. that's where I got. All right. Well, for yeah, we everyone... Talk, we were talking about D&D, I think, weren't we? Oh, yeah. A little mm-hmm. bit of D&D in that. Yeah. We're playing Pathfinder at the moment. Pathfinder. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Good so how do, you find, how do you find the comparison between the, the Dungeons & Dragons, any iteration of that, and the Pathfinder? Um... They, they seem very similar. To be perfectly honest, it's, uh, my husband's the, the DM, and he does all the, the difficult stuff, so... Um, okay. Uh, um, well, the main difference I've found is that is in the classes because there seems to be a lot, a lot of different classes and we're really enjoying those at the moment because we've only got a little group. We're in a small town, so we don't really have like a, um, a gaming group or anything. So it's just a couple of friends and, and kids and stuff that play. Mm-hmm. And um, because they're uh, the guy that is sort of a good mate of ours, he's a, a long gamer. He sort of introduced us to it really, but his wife isn't isn't really into gaming uh, but she wanted to get involved she loves um books and you know stories and so we decided to come at it from the angle of role playing you know really go heavily for the role playing so 
what uh, we what we've actually done is invent our own sort of D and D or Pathfinder light, if you like. So um, every time we game, I'm I advance everybody a level and give, everybody has sort of spell cards and a little card with their what they're good at, their their skills and things on. But there's no statistics in it because that was what the 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 others said they really didn't like about the original sort of 3.5. And I must admit, I found it quite difficult creating characters through that. It's just, it's quite a complicated process. Mm-hmm. So we've really sort of lifted the statistics out and gone heavily for the role playing. And um, uh, I leave it up to, to to my husband to to roll all the dice and um, do all the statistics side of it. And then he just feeds back with the results, if you see what I mean. So we're, we're all just sort of really telling stories and uh, it works really well for us. We have a great time. Nice. Ah, hmm. uh, yes. The way good, the way any good role playing game should be anyways. No, I, I yeah, that's kind of, kind of the thing that we talk about is, you know, role-playing should be that, role-playing. You should, the rules and the statistics and all those charts are kind of guidelines. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's more fun when you're, you're playing your character, being in that, and telling the story. So... Yeah, well, I've, I've seen quite a lot of videos on YouTube and stuff because I mean, I've never played with any other gaming groups, so I've no idea how other people do it. But when you see videos on that, it seems very statistic based. It's yeah, it's all plus one for this, and I've rolled a this, and and, and that's not really for escapism for us. That's very meta gaming. So we mm-hmm. we yeah. prefer much to remove that, and it comes much more down to the the storytelling and the adventure, you know. Yeah, as it should be. Hmm. You know, if you got you got brave Sir Robin prancing around, that's okay. He can run <laughs> he can run away for another day. You know, and, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and when you have a, a person playing that character and committing to that role, the, you know, you go into a fight with goblins and he's wetting himself and then running away. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, instead of um, I have to roll to decide what my character is supposed to do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I got a fifteen. I run away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you get play the character, commit. It, it's it's a lot more fun, and you know, you're right. You get kind of escape for those couple hours that you're playing, and you don't have to worry. I mean, those are probably the most fun times that I can remember, and still remember. You know, is playing at the table because no matter what, you're in, you're invested, you're having fun, and then when it's over, then it's like, oh wait a minute, hey wow, four hours has just gone by. I haven't worried about my stresses or how crappy my day was. I had a lot of fun. Go home, go to bed, or whatever you do after that, and the rest of your day is pretty good. So. Yeah, I think, and I think that's the main fun of of any type of fantasy. As we said, you know, the escapism, and and it's the same when you're, when, you know, when you're reading, and you know, you just want to immerse yourself in those other worlds, and that's what I love about fantasy. I think. If you guys play. Um, you know, like miniature figure games like Warhammer and stuff. No, because wow, that's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, yeah. I, I'll go. There's a couple game stores I've seen, and you know, you have these guys have all these figures and out there, and they're going at it. They've got their measuring tapes. And this one time, I was I'm like, oh wow, you know, how much did this cost for you guys to get these army and you know, they looked at me, oh, there's about 14 grand on this table, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, whoa. Yeah. Um, I wish I could afford okay, I, to have 14 grand. I, I'm going to go back to my, my, my books. <laughs> I mean, I, so I've never really gotten into that. You know, I have played, you know, tabletop board games. Um, I, I will admit my, I, the longest I have played World of Warcraft is seven minutes, and I got bored. Um, Guild okay. Wars... 
Guild Wars I did two months. And then I got bored. Um, but I like, you know, with role-playing, I like coming up with a story and building all that. And and uh-huh. and the twist and turns my players throw at me, you know. I expect them to go down path B. Instead, they raid the village. It's, you know, two miles away. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Well, that, that's, a, that's a skill of a DM, though, isn't it? I think that, yeah. that you're, you're adaptable as well. You know, I, I think it's, that shows a, a good skill if the, if the DM is able to to adapt his plans, his or her plans, to, to, you know, incorporate anything the adventures come up with. Yeah. And, well, and not only that, it, and we make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. I mean, there, there's times where I've messed up, and I'm like, no, I'm going to make him do this path, and just kind of force him to nudge him into it. And then it, it's no fun for everyone, so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure it's much like writing, where, you know, you just let it flow, and if you try to force something, it doesn't work. Yeah, sort of pretty much making it up as you go along, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how, what is your style of writing? Because, I mean, we've had several authors, some that don't, you know, outline. They just go for it, and whatever comes out, comes out. You know, some that kind of outline it, but then they change it as they go, or some that just, they have their outline, and they stick to that outline and don't change anything. So what is kind of your technique? I'm probably slightly more of a plotter. Um, I, I always used to, when I wrote Heartwood, I, I plotted religiously just just because I, I felt I wanted to get the twists and turns, you know, the peaks and troughs in all the right place. I wanted to make sure, um, I mean, there, there's like seven different quests or something at any one point in Heartwood and, and they all, uh, I have to interweave them. So I had, um, I wrote all the quests out in order of, of, of sort of chapters of how they scenes if you like of each quest and then I cut them all up on strips of paper and, and spread them all out on the floor and interwove them so that there was sort of one chapter of each um, and then put them all back together again uh, but I did um, uh, have you guys heard of NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month yeah yeah that happens it's, it's going on at the moment that happens every November and Back in 2010, I'd just written my first romance, and they said to me, would, "Would you have you got anything else? And it was NaNoWriMo at the time. And I thought, oh, I'm going to give it a go. And it, the plan is that you try and write 50,000 words in a month, and which isn't a huge book, but it, it's a, a pretty sort of average romance book because romances tend to be quite short. So I thought, I'm going to give it a go. And for the first time ever, I just sat down. I'd, I'd, I'd got a rough idea in my, in my head of where I was going, but I just sat down and wrote. And the idea is that you don't read back what you've written more than just sort of briefly you don't edit it you don't keep going over and over the work because that's often of the problems that writers have is they they edit the first three chapters and then never get any further yeah so, that's um, my problem <laughs> yeah and it's it's really common and it, this is the only way i found to get out of it and i just kept going and every day i would sit down i'd read the last sentence and then i'd write uh, you have to write sort of 1600 words a day to get it done but I actually I wrote something like 60,000 words in 20 days I just kept going and um, it's that's how I write now you know I'll plan the story but I don't read it back I just keep going and it just stops that over editing of the of those early chapters it just helps you to get to the end when you get to the end you can then as I go I sort of think oh like in Sunstone I halfway through I thought that guy should really have a dog (laughs) so I gave him a dog and then when I finished the book, I was like, now I've got to go back and put the dog in the first half of the book, you know. <laughs> um, but I just make notes as I go as, of the things that I've changed. And again, with Sunstone, um, funnily enough, I, I got, uh, yeah, it was, again, it was about halfway through, three quarters of the way through. And that we were trying to 
uh, work on a title. They wanted a title for the book so that when Heart would come out, they could say, and next will be, you know. And I had one idea. I had I was going to call it Tephra because Tephra is the stuff that gets out of a volcano, all the um, you know, stones and rocks and stuff. And Lee Harris said, no, you know, it's okay, but it's not a great word. And it doesn't mean anything to anybody who doesn't know what it is. And uh, so I scrabbled around for another word and come up with sunstone, because to me it was like heartwood, you know, stone wood and, mm-hmm. you know. And it was sort of um, relative to the, the fire aspect of it. And uh, he said, yeah, that's great. We're going to call it sunstone. And I thought, oh, I better put some sunstones into it. So I had to go back and write sunstones into it. Nice. But that's fine. Yes. <laughs> So then uh, what sort of advice then would you give to anyone who is about to start taking up writing as a profession? Um, Oh, that's a good one. Um, Yeah, I think definitely not going over and over the beginning is is a a very, very big step just to, you know, it it seems hugely daunting at first when you think, you know, to get a proper book. Uh, a proper sort of fantasy or anything you need at least 80,000 words and preferably more and that's quite daunting when, especially if you've just been writing short stories that like 2,000 words it's like what the you know how the hell am I going to get to 80,000 um, the very first book I did which was like a, I called it a medieval soap opera it was like a historical and it was set in a um, medieval village and it was all the families in the village during the black death and uh my husband said, well, why don't you think about 40 scenes, 40 short stories, just to get you to the end? And that's how I wrote that. So I think it ended up probably a little bit disjointed, but it it gave me a feel for thinking that's how much I have to write. And, uh, you know, I think it's only as you you write, the more I write now, I write in fairly short chapters because I know that how much writing I have to do to fill Mm -hmm. 2,500 or 3,000 words. So I'll get... You know, if I look at the the word count and I'm 1,800 words in, I sort of think, yeah, I'm not there yet, you know, and I either have to go back and add in more emotion or more action or whatever to, to, to fill that out. So you get to know how, you know, how fast you're going or whether you need more dialogue or whether you need more description or that that does come with practice. Um, but, yeah, for, for new writers, definitely just you've, you've got to just go for it. It's very hard to get, think, you know, you get hung up on, you know, it's been done before, and how do I get a new idea? And you know, you just got to go for it, right from the heart. Okay. Nice. Now, do, now, do you plan out your characters before you start, or do you just develop them as you as you go? Um, a little bit of both, I suppose. I, I I start off. I know with my romances, often I'll have a picture of a movie star or something, just so I've got a visual. I'm quite visual in that sense. And uh, I have to admit, in Heartwood, Russell Crowe is sort of like the main guy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and uh, and Kate, Blanchett, Kate, Kate Blanchett is sort of the main girl as well. So they're going to play the movie. When it comes out in a movie, you know, Hangry Robot, if you're listening, when it comes out in a movie, they're the guys I'd like to play the main two parts. Okay. But, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'll write, uh, I'll, I'll do a summary of the character because, you're, you know, you're supposed to think of things like what's their main conflict? What is it they want by the end of the story? The, the character has to change. That's the biggest. Oh, conflict. That's what I would say. Yeah. Conflict is the biggest part of a story. And that's something I didn't learn until fairly late. I was writing short stories and I was getting, I had a competition sort of fetish. I used to enter loads of competitions and I'd get shortlisted a lot of the time, but I wasn't winning. And it was only when I read a book um, uh, by a guy called Ian Patterson, I think it's out of print now, about writing, cracking the short story market, it was called. 
And his big thing was you've got to think about conflict. And you, you have, he said you have to put your character up a tree and you throw stones at them and then you get them down again. And his thing was if you don't have a conflict, then you're just writing an anecdote. And um, I had this fascination with the Black Death. And I'd written this other Everybody was in the village, and it was the last survivor. And he was wandering around the village, looking at all the things that, you know, being all sorrowful. And he went and he dug his own grave, and he got in it, and he died. It sounds really morbid now I say it. Anyway, um, it was a really good story though. And I gave it to my husband, and he read it, and he went, Yeah, okay. So, so, uh, and I told him about it, and he said, Yeah, it sounds really good. He said, What's it about? And I said, Well, I've just told you. And he said, Yeah, but you just give me the setting, but what's it about? And it was only like after this, I thought, ah, you know, it's just an anecdote. It's just a descriptive passage unless you have conflict. And if if the guy had been about to bury himself and then, you know, a girl turns up and she's lost her mum and he has to help rescue her. And I don't know that there there has to be an element of conflict in the story. And that's that was a big step forward for me. Once you've got that for each character and for the whole story, you're well on the way. I'm waffling, sorry. No, you're fine. That's that's a great answer. Now, <laughs> where can our listeners find your books? Uh, they're um, in uh, stores like Amazon and Barnes and Noble. They're um, book depository, and in uh, yeah, in most most major bookstores. I think I'm not sure in the US actually, but definitely on in I think Barnes and Noble have got them. All You've right. got Barnes and Noble right. stores, eh? Yes, we do. So, yeah. for everyone listening, go buy the books. Go so, by Hartwood now. because now, unfortunately, I'm never going to be able to read it without picturing Russell Crowe now, which is fine. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. That's okay. You know, Big mistake. I enjoyed him in Gladiator, so it, it can work. Um, you know, and he was kind of in armor in, in The Man of Steel, yeah. so uh, this can work. That's true. Yeah, That's true. Yeah. So. So yes. where, uh, where can our listeners then start uh, contact you uh, if they want to start finding out where you're going to be next, if they want to start uh, attending book signings or catch you at a convention? Um, well, I, I'm, um, I've am i got my website, freyrobertson.com, and uh, my blog on there is pretty lively. I've, I put it all updates on there. I've got a contact page, so you can always contact me if you if you uh, you know you want to find out anything. Um, being in New Zealand at the moment, I'm, I'm sort of – Got to wait till I earn a bit of money before I go anywhere. That's okay. <laughs> but, okay. Yeah. but I, yeah, I'd love to check out the Worldcon or something. I think it's like everyone watching it here, is it, or something? So yeah, that that would be cool. Who knows? Yeah. Well. Yep. So you hear uh, that angry robot? You can pay for her to go to Worldcon. Yes. Yes, that money would be very up. nice. <laughs> because this is going to be an amazing fantasy that you guys will love and enjoy. And in turn, turn and, and, into a game? Yes, and turn into a game, so even better. Yes, that would be great. Because even if you don't turn into a role-playing game, I'm sure you can make it into a board game like Shadows of Camelot. Or, you know, she I has, love Shadows of Camelot. That's a great I, game. I know. I'm, I'm looking at... You have Arkham Horror, Shadows of Camelot. <laughs> <laughs> World of Warcraft. Yeah, you have a bunch of games. Uh, game of Thrones, even better. Um <laughs> I didn't see Fireflies. Yeah, there, that's okay. There, you know, and uh, or if if you're not going to make it into a movie, make it into a TV series. Come on. Mm-hmm. Game of yeah, Thrones has definitely shown that epic fantasy can be done on TV. Yes. So, um, once again, oops, I'm getting the warning. Thank you for coming on the show this evening. We appreciate it. It's been wonderful talking to you. 
Um, we'll definitely be in touch, especially when Stun- Sunstone comes out uh, yeah, in March. We'd love to have you come back. I love. Thanks for having me. It's been really cool. All right, thank you, and sorry about the little glitch, but uh, <laughs> uh, no we'll worries. be in touch. Thanks, Sam. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye. Have a great day. Bye, future. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. That was author Freya Robertson uh, talking from the future in New Zealand, uh, talking about her new book, Heartwood, as well as the upcoming sequel, Sunstone, of the Elemental Wars. Uh, which is uh, published by Angry Robot. Uh, you can definitely get Heartwood at Amazon. And if you do, go to our website, DungeonCrawlersRadio.com. Click on the Amazon link after you've cleared out your cookies and go buy this book. Why? Because this helps her out, helps Angry Robot out, helps us out, and you get an awesome book that when you read it, you'll picture Russell Crowe as the main character. Yes, uh, Russell Crowe. Yes. So if you're going to go online to buy it, that's where I suggest you go. Or you can pick it up at Barnes & Noble, your local book uh, store or the uh, book depository. But if nothing else, I say go to Amazon.com and help us out, help everyone out. Uh, and we'll wrap it up. Go, Joe. That's right. Until next time, good night, Salt Lake, good night, world, and get more from your games. We'll catch you Monday with Ann Lyle and Aaron Evans. Have a great one.